section thirty three of essays book three this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Moyer. Essays, Book Three, by Michel de Montaigne. Translated by Charles Cotton. Of Experience, Part Four. Now I use my imagination as gently as I can, and would discharge it if I could of all trouble and contest a man must assist flatter and deceive it if he can my mind is fit for that office it needs no appearances throughout could it persuade as it preaches it would successfully relieve me will you have an example it tells me that tis for my good to have the stone that the structure of my age must naturally suffer some decay and it is now time it should begin to disjoin and to confess a breach tis a common necessity and there is nothing in it either miraculous or new i therein pay what is due to old age and i cannot expect a better bargain that society ought to comfort me being fallen into the most common infirmity of my age i see everywhere men tormented with the same disease and am honoured by the fellowship forasmuch as men of the best quality are most frequently afflicted with it tis a noble and dignified disease that of such as are struck with it few have it to a less degree of pain that these are put to the trouble of a strict diet and the daily taking of nauseous potions whereas i owe my better state purely to my good fortune for some ordinary broths of eringo or burstwort that i have twice or thrice taken to oblige the ladies who with greater kindness than my pain was sharp would needs present me half of theirs seemed to me equally easy to take and fruitless in operation the others have to pay a thousand vows to asclepius and as many crowns to their physicians for the voiding a little gravel which i often do by the aid of nature even the decorum of my countenance is not disturbed in company and i can hold my water ten hours and as long as any man in health the fear of this disease says my mind formerly affrighted thee when it was unknown to thee the cries and despairing groans of those who make it worse by their impatience begot a horror in thee tis an infirmity that punishes the members by which thou hast most offended thou art a conscientious fellow quae venit indigne poena dolenda venit 
we are entitled to complain of a punishment that we have not deserved ovid heroides five eight consider this chastisement tis very easy in comparison of others and inflicted with a paternal tenderness do but observe how late it comes it only seizes on and incommodes that part of thy life which is one way and another sterile and lost having as it were by composition given time for the license and pleasures of thy youth the fear and the compassion that the people have of this disease serve thee for matter of glory a quality whereof if thou hast thy judgment purified and that thy reason has somewhat cured it thy friends notwithstanding discern some tincture in thy complexion tis a pleasure to hear it said of one's self what strength of mind what patience thou art seen to sweat with pain to turn pale and red to tremble to vomit blood to suffer strange contractions and convulsions at times to let great tears drop from thine eyes to urine thick black and dreadful water or to have it suppressed by some sharp and craggy stone that cruelly pricks and tears the neck of the bladder whilst all the while thou entertainest the company with an ordinary countenance droning by fits with thy people making one in a continuous discourse now and then making excuse for thy pain and representing thy suffering less than it is dost thou call to mind the men of past times who so greedily sought diseases to keep their virtue in breath and exercise put the case that nature sets thee on and impels thee to this glorious school into which thou wouldst never have entered of thy own free will if thou tellest me that it is a dangerous and mortal disease what others are not so for tis a physical cheat to expect any that they say do not go direct to death what matters if they go thither by accident or if they easily slide and slip into the path that leads us to it but thou dost not die because thou art sick thou diest because thou art living death kills thee without the help of sickness and sickness has deferred death in some who have lived longer by reason that they thought themselves always dying to which may be added that as in wounds so in diseases some are medicinal and wholesome the stone is often no less long-lived than you we see men with whom it has continued from their infancy even to their extreme old age and if they had not broken company it would have been with them longer still you more often kill it 
than it kills you and though it should present to you the image of approaching death were it not a good office to a man of such an age to put him in mind of his end and which is worse thou hast no longer anything that should make thee desire to be cured whether or no common necessity will soon call thee away do but consider how skilfully and gently she puts thee out of concern with life and weans thee from the world not forcing thee with a tyrannical subjection like so many other infirmities which thou seest old men afflicted withal that hold them in continual torment and keep them in perpetual and unintermitted weakness and pains but by warnings and instructions at intervals intermixing long pauses of repose as it were to give thee opportunity to meditate and ruminate upon thy lesson at thy own ease and leisure to give thee means to judge aright and to assume the resolution of a man of courage it presents to thee the state of thy entire condition both in good and evil and one while a very cheerful and another an insupportable life in one and the same day if thou embracest not death at least thou shakest hands with it once a month whence thou hast more cause to hope that it will one day surprise thee without menace and that being so often conducted to the waterside but still thinking thyself to be upon the accustomed terms thou and thy confidence will at one time or another be unexpectedly wafted over a man cannot reasonably complain of diseases that fairly divide the time with health i am obliged to fortune for having so often assaulted me with the same sort of weapons she forms and fashions me by use hardens and habituates me so that i can know within a little for how much i shall be quit for want of natural memory i make one of paper and as any new symptom happens in my disease i set it down whence it falls out that having now almost passed through all sorts of examples if anything striking threatens me turning over these little loose notes as the sibylline leaves i never fail of finding matter of consolation from some favourable prognostic in my past experience custom also makes me hope better for the time to come for the conduct of this clearing out having so long continued tis to be believed that nature will not alter her course and that no other worse accident will happen than what i already feel and besides the condition of this disease is not unsuitable to my prompt and sudden complexion 
when it assaults me gently i am afraid for tis then for a great while but it has naturally brisk and vigorous excesses it claws me to purpose for a day or two my kidneys held out an age without alteration and i have almost now lived another since they changed their state evils have their periods as well as benefits peradventure the infirmity draws towards an end age weakens the heat of my stomach and its digestion being less perfect sends this crude matter to my kidneys why at a certain revolution may not the heat of my kidneys be also abated so that they can no more petrify my phlegm and nature find out some other way of purgation years have evidently helped me to drain certain rooms and why not these excrements which furnish matter for gravel but is there anything delightful in comparison of this sudden change when from an excessive pain i come by the voiding of a stone to recover as by a flash of lightning the beautiful light of health so free and full as it happens in our sudden and sharpest colics is there anything in the pain suffered that one can counterpoise to the pleasure of so sudden an amendment oh how much does health seem the more pleasant to me after a sickness so near and so contiguous that i can distinguish them in the presence of one another in their greatest show when they appear in emulation as if to make head against and dispute it with one another as the stoics say that vices are profitably introduced to give value to and to set off virtue we can with better reason and less temerity of conjecture say that nature has given us pain for the honour and service of pleasure and indolence when socrates after his fetters were knocked off felt the pleasure of that itching which the weight of them had caused in his legs he rejoiced to consider the strict alliance betwixt pain and pleasure how they are linked together by a necessary connection so that by turns they follow and mutually beget one another and cried out to good aesop that he ought out of this consideration to have taken matter for a fine fable the worst that i see in other diseases is that they are not so grievous in their effect as they are in their issue a man is a whole year in recovering and all the while full of weakness and fear there is so much hazard and so many steps to arrive at safety that there is no end on't before they have unmuffled you of a kerchief and then of a cap before they allow you to walk abroad and take the air to drink wine 
to lie with your wife, to eat melons, tis odds you relapse into some new distemper. The stone has this privilege, that it carries itself clean off, whereas the other maladies always leave behind them some impression and alteration that render the body subject to a new disease and lend a hand to one another. Those are excusable that content themselves with possessing us without extending farther and introducing their followers. But courteous and kind are those whose passage brings us any profitable issue. Since I have been troubled with the stone, I find myself freed from all other accidents, much more, methinks, than I was before, and have never had any fever since. I argue that the extreme and frequent vomitings that I am subject to purge me, and, on the other hand, my distastes for this and that, and the strange fasts I am forced to keep, digest my peccant humours, and nature with those stones, voids whatever there is in me superfluous and hurtful. Let them never tell me that it is a medicine too dear bought, for what avail so many stinking draughts, so many caustics, incisions, sweats, cetons, diets, and so many other methods of cure, which often, by reason we are not able to undergo their violence and importunity, bring us to our graves, so that when I have the stone, I look upon it as physic, when free from it as an absolute deliverance. And here is another particular benefit of my disease, which is that it almost plays its game by itself, and lets me play mine if I have only courage to do it. For in its greatest fury I have endured it ten hours together on horseback. Do but endure only. You need no other regimen. Play, run dine, do this and t'other if you can. Your debauch will do you more good than harm. Say as much to one that has the pox, the gout, or hernia. The other diseases have more universal obligations. Rack our actions after another kind of manner, disturb our whole order, and to their consideration engage the whole state of life. This only pinches the skin. It leaves the understanding and the will wholly at our own disposal, and the tongue, the hands, and the feet. It rather awakens than stupefies you. The soul is struck with the ardor of a fever, overwhelmed with an epilepsy, and displaced by a sharp megrim, and, in short, astounded by all the diseases that hurt the whole mass and the most noble parts. This never meddles with the soul. 
if anything goes amiss with her tis her own fault she betrays dismounts and abandons herself there are none but fools who suffer themselves to be persuaded that this hard and massive body which is baked in our kidneys is to be dissolved by drinks wherefore when it is once stirred there is nothing to be done but to give it passage and for that matter it will itself make one i moreover observe this particular convenience in it that it is a disease wherein we have little to guess at we are dispensed from the trouble into which other diseases throw us by the uncertainty of their causes conditions and progress a trouble that is infinitely painful we have no need of consultations and doctoral interpretations the senses well enough inform us both what it is and where it is by such like arguments weak and strong as cicero with the disease of his old age i try to rock asleep and amuse my imagination and to dress its wounds if i find them worse to-morrow i will provide new stratagems that this is true i am come to that pass of late that the least motion forces pure blood out of my kidneys what of that i move about nevertheless as before and ride after my hounds with a juvenile and insolent ardour and hold that i have very good satisfaction for an accident of that importance when it costs me no more but a dull heaviness and uneasiness in that part tis some great stone that wastes and consumes the substance of my kidneys and my life which i by little and little evacuate not without some natural pleasure as an excrement henceforward superfluous and troublesome now if i feel anything stirring do not fancy that i trouble myself to consult my pulse or my urine thereby to put myself upon some annoying prevention i shall soon enough feel the pain without making it more and longer by the dis-ease of fear he who fears he shall suffer already suffers what he fears to which may be added that the doubts and ignorance of those who take upon them to expound the designs of nature and her internal progressions and the many false prognostics of their art ought to give us to understand that her ways are inscrutable and utterly unknown there is great uncertainty variety and obscurity in what she either promises or threatens old age excepted which is an indubitable sign of the approach of death in all other accidents i see few signs of the future whereon we may ground our divination i only judge of myself by actual sensation not by reasoning 
to what end since i am resolved to bring nothing to it but expectation and patience will you know how much i get by this observe those who do otherwise and who rely upon so many diverse persuasions and counsels how often the imagination presses upon them without any bodily pain i have many times amused myself being well and in safety and quite free from these dangerous attacks in communicating them to the physicians as then beginning to discover themselves in me i underwent the decree of their dreadful conclusions being all the while quite at my ease and so much the more obliged to the favour of god and better satisfied of the vanity of this art there is nothing that ought so much to be recommended to youth as activity and vigilance our life is nothing but movement i bestir myself with great difficulty and am slow in everything whether in rising going to bed or eating seven of the clock in the morning is early for me and where i rule i never dine before eleven nor sup till after six i formerly attributed the cause of the fevers and other diseases i fell into to the heaviness that long sleeping had brought upon me and have ever repented going to sleep again in the morning plato is more angry at excess of sleeping than at excess of drinking i love to lie hard and alone even without my wife as kings do pretty well covered with clothes they never warm my bed but since i have grown old they give me at need cloths to lay to my feet and stomach they found fault with the great scipio that he was a great sleeper not in my opinion for any other reason than that men were displeased that he alone should have nothing in him to be found fault with if i am anything fastidious in my way of living tis rather in my lying than anything else but generally i give way and accommodate myself as well as any one to necessity sleeping has taken up a great part of my life and yet i continue at the age i now am to sleep eight or nine hours at one breath i wean myself with utility from this proneness to sloth and am evidently the better for so doing i find the change a little hard indeed but in three days tis over and i see but few who live with less sleep when need requires and who more constantly exercise themselves or to whom long journeys are less troublesome my body is capable of a firm but not of a violent or sudden agitation i escape of late from violent exercises 
and such as make me sweat. My limbs grow weary before they are warm. I can stand a whole day together, and am never weary of walking. But from my youth I have ever preferred to ride upon paved roads. On foot I get up to the haunches in dirt, and little fellows as I am are subject in the streets to be elbowed and jostled for want of presence. I have ever loved to repose myself, whether sitting or lying, with my heels as high or higher than my seat. There is no profession as pleasant as the military, a profession both noble in its execution, for valor is the stoutest, proudest, and most generous of all virtues, and noble in its cause. There is no utility either more universal or more just than the protection of the peace and greatness of one's country. The company of so many noble, young, and active men delights you. The ordinary sight of so many tragic spectacles the freedom of the conversation without art, a masculine and unceremonious way of living please you, the variety of a thousand several actions, the encouraging harmony of martial music that ravishes and inflames both your ears and souls, the honor of this occupation, nay, even its hardships and difficulties, which Plato holds so light that in his Republic he makes women and children share in them, are delightful to you. You put yourself voluntarily upon particular exploits and hazards, according as you judge of their luster and importance, and a volunteer find even life itself excusably employed pulcrumque mori succurit in armis. Tis fine to die sword in hand. And he remembers that it is honorable to die in arms. Aeneid 2, 317 To fear common dangers that concern so great a multitude of men, not to dare to do what so many sorts of souls, what a whole people dare, is for a heart that is poor and mean beyond all measure. Company encourages even children. If others excel you in knowledge, in gracefulness, in strength or fortune, you have alternative resources at your disposal. But to give place to them in stability of mind. You can blame no one for that but yourself. Death is more abject, more languishing and troublesome in bed than in a fight. Fevers and catars as painful and mortal as a musket shot. Whoever has fortified himself valiantly to bear the accidents of common life 
need not raise his courage to be a soldier. Vivere mi Lucili militare est. To live, my Lucilius, is to make war, to be a soldier. Seneca, Epistle 96. I do not remember that I ever had the itch and yet scratching is one of nature's sweetest gratifications and so much at hand but repentance follows too near i use it most in my ears which are at intervals apt to itch i came into the world with all my senses entire even to perfection my stomach is commodiously good as also is my head and my breath, and, for the most part, uphold themselves so in the height of fevers. I have passed the age to which some nations, not without reason, have prescribed so just a term of life that they would not suffer men to exceed it, and yet I have some intermissions though short and inconstant, so clean and sound as to be little inferior to the health and pleasantness of my youth. I do not speak of vigor and sprightliness. Tis not reason they should follow me beyond their limits. Non hoc amplius est liminis aut aquae celestis patiens latus. I am no longer able to stand waiting at a door in the rain. Horace, Odes, 3, 10, 9. My face and eyes presently discover my condition. All my alterations begin there, and appear somewhat worse than they really are. My friends often pity me before I feel the cause in myself. My looking-glass does not frighten me, for even in my youth it has befallen me more than once to have a scurvy complexion and of ill augury without any great consequence, so that the physicians, not finding any cause within answerable to that outward alteration, attributed it to the mind and to some secret passion that tormented me within but they were deceived if my body would govern itself as well according to my rule as my mind does we should move a little more at our ease my mind was then not only free from trouble but moreover full of joy and satisfaction as it commonly is, half by its complexion, half by its design. Nec vitiant artus aegrae contagia mentis. Nor do the troubles of the body ever affect my mind. Ovid, Tristia, 3, 8, 25. I am of the opinion that this temperature of my soul has often raised my body from its lapses. This is often depressed. If the other be not brisk and gay, tis at least tranquil 
and at rest. I had a quartan egg four or five months that made me look miserably ill. My mind was always, if not calm, yet pleasant. If the pain be without me, the weakness and languor do not much afflict me. I see various corporal faintings that beget a horror in me but to name, which yet I should less fear than a thousand passions and agitations of the mind that I see about me. I make up my mind no more to run. Tis enough that I can crawl along. Nor do I more complain of the natural decadence that I feel in myself. Quis tumidum gutur miratur in alpibus? Who is surprised to see a swollen goiter in the Alps? Juvenal, 13, 162. Then I regret that my duration shall not be as long and entire as that of an oak. I have no reason to complain of my imagination. I have had few thoughts in my life that have so much as broken my sleep, except those of desire, which have awakened without afflicting me. I dream but seldom and then of chimeras and fantastic things, commonly produced from pleasant thoughts, and rather ridiculous than sad. And I believe it to be true that dreams are faithful interpreters of our inclinations. But there is art required to sort and understand them. Res, quae in vita usurpant homines, cogitant, curant, vident, quae que agunt vigilantes agitantque, ea si cui insomno acidunt, minus mirandum est. Tis less wonder what men practice, think, care for, see, and do when waking, should also run in their heads and disturb them when they are asleep and which affect their feelings, if they happen to any, in sleep. Atius, cited in Cicero, De Divinatione, 1.22. Plato, moreover, says that tis the office of prudence to draw instructions of divination of future things from dreams. I don't know about this, but there are wonderful instances of it that Socrates, Xenophon, and Aristotle, men of irreproachable authority, relate. Historians say that the Atlantes never dream, who also never eat any animal food, which I add, for as much as it is, peradventure, the reason why they never dream for Pythagoras ordered a certain preparation of diet to beget appropriate dreams. Mine are very gentle, without any agitation of body or expression of voice. I have seen several of my time wonderfully disturbed by them. Theon the philosopher walked in his sleep, 
and so did Pericles's servant, and that upon the tiles and top of the house. I hardly ever choose my dish at table, but take the next at hand and unwillingly change it for another. A confusion of meats and a clatter of dishes displease me as much as any other confusion. I am easily satisfied with few dishes, and am an enemy to the opinion of Favorinus that in a feast they should snatch from you the meat you like, and set a plate of another sort before you, and that tis a pitiful supper if you do not sate your guests with the rumps of various fowls, the becafico only deserving to be all eaten. I usually eat salt meats, yet I prefer bread that has no salt in it, and my baker never sends up other to my table, contrary to the custom of the country. In my infancy, what they had most to correct in me was the refusal of things that children commonly best love, as sugar, sweetmeats, and marchipans. My tutor contended with this aversion to delicate things as a kind of over-nicety, and, indeed, tis nothing else but a difficulty of taste in anything it applies itself to. Whoever cures a child of an obstinate liking for brown bread, bacon, or garlic, cures him also of pampering his palate. There are some who affect temperance and plainness by wishing for beef and ham amongst the partridges. Tis all very fine, this is the delicacy of the delicate, tis the taste of an effeminate fortune that disrelishes ordinary and accustomed things. Perquae luxuria divitiarum taedio ludit, by which the luxury of wealth causes tedium. Seneca, Epistle 18. Not to make good cheer with what another is enjoying, and to be curious in what a man eats, is the essence of this vice. Si modica caenare times olus omne patella. If you can't be content with herbs in a small dish for supper. Horace, Epistle 1, 5, 2. There is indeed this difference, that tis better to oblige one's appetite to things that are most easy to be had, but tis always vice to oblige oneself. I formerly said a kinsman of mine was over-nice, who, by being in our galleys, had unlearned the use of beds, and to undress when he went to sleep. End of section 33